Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Jordan DeChico, founder and COO of Supercopy. Jordan, a former college basketball player, originally founded Supercopy in his college dorm room as a low-sugar, clean-energy solution that helped him cope with the challenges of being a student-athlete. Soon after, he joined forces with his brothers, Jake and Jimmy, as they entered the Georgetown Summer Launch Program. They have come a long way now and have surpassed $100 million in annual sales, an evaluation of around $500 million with ABMBev on their side as a key distribution partner. Jordan, welcome to Subscribing to Wellness. How are you? Daniel, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Very excited to be on the show. Awesome, man. Appreciate you joining us today. I've been a huge, huge fan for so long. Back in my ABI days, the first exposure to the brand, I've been drinking it ever since. And it has been awesome to see the brand scale up to where it is today. Would love to just take it back a bit and hear a little bit more for our listeners about how this idea came about. It's obviously an awesome story in the dorm room and and such. So feel free to take it away. Absolutely. So in 2015, I was a freshman student athlete at Philadelphia University. I played basketball there. We would have 5 a.m. practices every morning. I'd have to walk across campus as a freshman, do 5 a.m. practice, go straight to 8 a.m. business class and was expected to just make it throughout the day, right, without getting tired, without having any issues. So fortunately, that wasn't reality. I was I found myself falling asleep in class pretty immediately at that 8 a.m. session. So I would have to rely on ready-to-drink coffees, energy drinks, et cetera. But unfortunately, the only options on my campus and every campus in the country, for the most part, was loaded with products that contained high amounts of sugar, carbohydrates, calories, et cetera, artificial ingredients. And things that I didn't want to put into my body as a student athlete or not. I don't think anybody should be drinking more than a a daily recommended amount of sugar in one drink. So I decided that I wouldn't drink this. So I'm going to create something that, that for me, that I could personally consume in the mornings before practice, after practice, throughout the day to keep me going. So we would get free protein powder from the team. I would lug over a gallon, a a water gallon to the cafeteria and fill it up with coffee every night, bring it back in my dorm room, pour it into the blender, mix it in with protein, and I would store it cold in my fridge overnight. So in the morning, woke up, pour myself a, a, a little glass that I could take with me. And that was the start of super coffee for me. And it worked so well for me. Again, it was initially just coffee with, with protein, started adding MCT oil, started adding natural sweeteners. And my teammates kind of became my guinea pigs, if you will. They were testing the product daily with me, telling me how bad it was, how crazy I was for trying it. But I, I really fell in love with the process and it really did fuel and make a big impact in my life that year. I felt better throughout the day. It was more productive, obviously. And that really you know, drove my inspiration to, to turn it into a real business. So that spring and summer, my brother Jake was a junior at Georgetown University. He was playing football there. And I called him and I said, hey, I I think I'm going to start a a coffee company this summer. What do you want to to do it with me? And at first, he was a little hesitant, but I finally convinced him to join. We joined the Georgetown Summer Launch Program in the summer of 2015 and really just learned the ins and outs of launching a product. We had some great advisors, mentors, et cetera. And at the end of that summer, we finally had a, a sellable product that we thought was really good and, and it wasn't, but we thought it was. And we were starting to get ready to, to 
make some make our first sale into some stores, which we can talk about. And I actually made the tough decision to to drop out of school, give up my basketball scholarship, and go full time on the business. And from there, we've been sprinting ever since. It's an amazing story. Rachel and I can both relate to the grind of being a college athlete. And you know, you spend those late nights working on academics because you have practice, and then you wake up the next morning for lifts, and then class after that. It's just such a grind. And I also think it's interesting because I heard you guys talk about kind of the cultural principles within the company when we've talked in the past. And it seems like a lot of kind of maybe what you experienced as an athlete has really informed the way that you guys think through culture uh, setting within the company. Could you talk a little bit about the kind of main cultural principles that you guys focus on in terms of team building and, and kind of focus and maybe how that might relate to athletics as well? Totally. Yeah, I think naturally, you know, the culture is generally an extension of the founders initially and then you need to work really hard to to modify or improve it and, and take out some of the founder flaws wherever you can so in the early days right it was built on just our, our kind of young ambitious very competitive but compassionate ways of of operating and then we wanted to kind of codify the culture and make it more scalable and make it more impressionable if you will for, for new employees and for employees who wanted to wanted more meaning in their work. So we use an acronym actually to define our values called COACH. So COACH stands for curious, always be learning, always be asking questions, optimistic, believe in a better future, right? Ambitious, set big goals and go after them. And then compassionate is the second C, always treat people with kindness and respect. And then humility is the H there. And we actually believe those five values balance each other out really nicely, right? Like if you're very optimistic and ambitious, you're obviously going to be a go-getter, but if you're not compassionate and you know, you might be in the asshole zone, we don't want you on the super coffee team and same thing, vice versa, right? If you're compassionate and humble, but you're not optimistic or ambitious, we might, you might not be a great fit for us either. So we want to be clear about that. And we sent really intentional reminders and mechanisms in the culture to to make sure we're living up to those values. It, it ties back into our performance management system and, and people get graded, their bonuses come down to how well they live up to the coach values. So it's a big part of our culture and what we do. We try to hire people who match the culture, fit the culture, and can also enhance and improve the culture and, and bring a, a more diverse perspective to the culture because it is constantly alive and learning and we try to try to make it better. So the values are, are guardrails, but we're always learning and always getting better. And that's a big part of being curious, right? So it's just living up to that first core value. Yeah. I think you guys live the values so naturally. And like I talked to to Jake or Jimmy at Expo you'd never know this is a $500 million company. They're just like such good dudes. And yeah, it's a great culture. I can obviously tell. A dumb question before we go into a bit more about the business. I was just thinking about this before the call. Like, Obviously, in your day, you've done quite a bit of networking, whether that's talking to potential distributors or potential investors and so on. Do people like ask you to get coffee or like have they asked you in the past as like a networking ploy? And is your response like, yeah, like I'll bring you super coffee or like, have you like done like meetings at like Starbucks? Or, like, how do you respond to that? Because that's just the way people network these days, right? What does someone like you do when someone's like, hey, want to grab coffee and talk? You know, yeah, there's no dumb questions. I actually like this question. Yeah, I always try to bring super coffee to any meeting, right? Wherever it is. But, you know, generally, if you know, we're taking meetings, we make it about the person we're meeting with, right? So where's most convenient for you? Where are you most comfortable? You know, regardless of who it is, if again, if we're taking the meeting, that means that it's important to us. It's somewhat of a priority for us and we're interested. 
they're giving us their time. So it doesn't matter if it's at a Starbucks or wherever. I'm actually meeting one of the early presidents of Starbucks tomorrow at a Starbucks, right? That's his domain. But you better believe the table's still going to be covered with super coffee. So <laughs> we'll bring some super coffee with us wherever we go. Love it, love it, love it. I love that so much. That was a great question, Daniel. I don't think that was stupid at all. Speaking of like consumer market and, you know, your customer demographic, have you found that you're bringing new customers into the coffee category that previously were avoiding drinking coffee, either that could be based on like your guys' unique flavors or lack of function, or like, are you sourcing from coffee drinkers? 100% we are doing both. And the data shows us we're doing both at a pretty high level right now. And, and that's where our growth is coming from. So we are seeing customers convert from their current habit, both in, in ready to drink and we have hot coffee, but then also a lot of new buyers. So people who weren't previously buying ready to drink coffee, maybe they were only doing iced coffee from Starbucks cafes or at home. Now they're buying super coffee. So we're growing the category and we're, we're growing our brand through through conversion. So it's a combination of both, which is a great sign for us, right? Because it shows that as we continue to grow, we can add dollars in revenue for grocery stores, not just trade dollars off with brands that are already there. So stores, retailers, distributors, they want brands that can add to the total pie versus just getting a bigger slice of, of the same size. Yeah, I think, you know, and really we've seen like unicorn breakthrough brands, they have to be bringing new consumers into the category and not simply just taking share away from the big incumbents. And it seems like with your guys's unique function and obviously just great general flavor, and it's it seems like it's really working both to incrementally grow the category, but also then gain share on kind of the larger incumbents. So you're chief operating officer, and I think maybe you've heard a bit about this by kind of partnering with ABI, but just kind of thinking through the way you grow distribution and you expand, but with also like balancing mental awareness and actual brand equity and not trying to expand too fast. Like, how do you think through kind of the pressure to grow the business at a crazy scale, but also kind of try to balance that with ensuring that you're building kind of the brand the right way in a responsible kind of pace? Yeah, this is probably the best, most important question any founder and any leader across any size company needs to maybe think about the most and probably the hardest thing to balance, right? It's kind of short-term priorities over long-term growth and, and long-term planning. And obviously you need to do both, right? And you need to do both at a really high level over a really long period of time if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a really great business. And for us, it's we're charging hard on a daily basis. We're clear about our, our priorities and responsibilities and, and what we need to achieve in the next 30, 60, 90 days. But at the same time, we have long range plans too that kind of guide the long-term trajectory of where we want to go. So I think a lot of it is leveraging the data that we have, right? To really focus us on the right things, the right products, the right, you know, extensions, the right next and flavors, et cetera. And then what people do we need, right? What roles on the team do we need and how are we going to fill those roles in a timely manner to make sure we have the resources and capabilities internally to execute on whatever plan it is. So again, it's a lot of, it's a lot of both. We have some systems and processes that, that help us, you know, strategically think long-term and when to do that. But most of the time, again, when you're operating in such a high growth environment, you are head down, right? And you are working long hours. And you sometimes can lose the bigger picture, but it's always good to be able to, to zoom out, whether it be with your senior leadership team or just your up, you know, your top executives and say, okay, we're, we've been sprinting for the past 60 days. I think it's time that we 
we zoom out and maybe we do an offsite together and see where we're tracking against our long range plan. So multiple ways to, to manage it, but I do think that balance is critical. And in a high growth environment, it's super hard. So you need to have people who are dedicated to both. Everybody's dedicated to short-term execution, but I think some people need to be dedicated exclusively to long-term planning and making sure we're tracking against the long-term plan. Because again, it's easy to, to lose sight of that when you're in the weeds every day. And so just diving a bit deeper there, because I think you guys are masters of this, I'm sure. What are the main kind of levers right now for growth? And then just generally, like, how do you think through like the right KPIs to set to ensure that like this is going in the right direction? Like, obviously, you're looking at TDPs, you're looking at distribution, but is it about like kind of the acceleration of velocities or how do you think through like what means like obviously growing sales means you're doing something right, but like, what are the right kind of KPIs to kind of think through as you guys scale up? Yeah. I mean, it really starts with the product, right? And you have to have an amazing product and brand. The liquid needs to be really good. So that's something that we're always working on, not only improving our current flavors, right? But then, you know, to your point, I think your new favorite is our cinnamon roll, which is a new flavor. So looking at data, looking at trends and finding ways to really cut through with new and ex- exciting flavors, because that's what the, the consumer insights are telling us to, to focus on too. So by way of doing that, you mentioned it, the number one metric we really look at is velocity or rate of sale. And rate of sale is simply how fast your products within retail. So within a grocery store, how many units per week, per store, per flavor are you selling? And that's the main number that we all track and kind of hold ourselves accountable to. And there's a lot of growth drivers there to your question. Good distribution partners, right? You got to be able to keep product on shelf and get multiple locations, great sales teams, obviously, great marketing engine and, and machine internally, which we're constantly investing and in building out. So there's a lot of levers that you can pull to increase rate of sale, but that metric is constantly what we're trying to improve. And then additionally, growing our, our total points of distribution. And sometimes what you see is as you grow your distribution, that rate of sale or your velocity starts to decline. And that's usually a negative sign. So for us, we're, we're constantly looking at as we grow distribution, how does our rate of sale improve um, or change? And thankfully, it's always kind of gone up together, which is a great sign for us. And if there ever, if it was ever flat or declining, we really need to dive into the numbers and figure out, okay, why is the rate of sale declining or why are we not meeting our expectations? And what are the levers we can pull? Is it a product issue? Is it a team issue? Is it a distribution issue, right? Like maybe when we look into it, we find out that we were in this planogram and then for whatever reason, the distributor only serviced it once a month and we had out of stocks. So it wasn't that the product wasn't selling, it's just that it wasn't available after it was on shelf. So those are the issues you really need to be able to track and get to the bottom of quickly so you can solve them, right? Like Coke, Pepsi, those guys don't have to worry about those issues because they own their own distribution. They're in the stores every single day. Where for us, we really need to partner with our partners at ABI to do the best job we can to not only keep product in shelf in full every day on the planogram space that we are graciously given by the retailer, but we also need to be keeping our, our secondary placements, whether it be cold placement up front, cold placement near the hot bar or in the bakery section where some of our new flavors are going to are gonna live. All of those placements, you know, lead to increased rate of sale. And we just got to make sure we maintain them. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I mean, you we walk into like any bodega now and I love that I see Super Coffee just like everywhere. It makes me so happy. But You talked a little bit about flavor profile and we did touch upon the new cinnamon roll flavor. Would love to hear a little bit about the expansion into the plant-based space, as well as how you guys are developing these new flavors. You talked about like obviously consumer trends, but 
there's got to be some other, you know, formulator who's making these incredible flavors and thinking through these. Totally. Yeah. I think the biggest insight that we continue to get, we talk to our customers pretty regularly and get a lot of great feedback from them. So it really comes back to the consumer, but while people obviously want to live healthier lifestyles, flavor is still first. Um, and you have to have products that taste really great. And not only that, they want unique flavors. They want fun flavors that are really exciting and, and different. And we heard them loud and clear, but at the same time, again, we weren't going to compromise on, on our nutritional values and, and where, what we stand for as a brand, which is to mass produce positive energy by removing negatives. So our challenge is how can we make products that taste amazing, that are fun, unique, exciting for the category that also have zero sugar, nothing artificial, right? Less than hundred calories, et cetera. So that's the challenge that we're posed with and we want to live on the frontier. So we did that with a flavor last year. We did a test and learn with a blueberry latte. We were the first ones in ready to drink to offer a, a blueberry ready to drink and we crushed it, right? And people loved it. And I think a lot of that is us doing the diligence and working with our flavor partners and our supply chain partners to create products that are really not just gonna be unique, but really, really good, right? And and we have to be objective with ourselves. So we'll run panel panels with consumers, but we'll also run panels with ourselves. And we know enough, we drink enough coffee, right? If something needs to fit a specific profile, you can't have much aftertaste, right? If you're gonna call it a blueberry muffin, it needs to taste like a blueberry muffin. Same thing with cinnamon roll. Like it's, you can't just put cinnamon in a vanilla latte and call it a cinnamon roll. It really needs to resemble the elements of a cinnamon roll in the bottle. And that's been the main feedback that we've gotten is how have you created this experience? When you create a product like that, you know, as long as you can keep it on shelf, your rate of sale is going to be really good. So the, the number one priority there is like, how can you keep creating those types of products that are going to blow customers away, that are going to be unique, different, and stand out from the rest of the pack? So that's been our goal. And we've done a pretty good job, but I think we, we're going to continue to accelerate in that front to offer more great, unique flavors coming forward. Yeah. Cinnamon roll, as you know, is my favorite. Can't get enough of that. Can't wait for it to be on subscription. Uh, and it could be on your panel. I really, I really could. Jordan <laughs> knows that though. Yeah. I mean, I think also like consumers just generally want things quicker with less preparation. And I think the fact that you guys went after RTD was super smart. Like you saw a gap in the market. I mean, it's the same thing with cocktails, right? Like consumers are probably less willing to now like create crap cocktails. They have all these great RTDs. Why not just have it at the grip of your fingers? And now it's in a way similar with coffee. There are people who I think will always have that like ritual where they want to like create custom, like, you know, grind coffee beans in the morning and like do all that. And that's awesome. But I think especially with Gen Z's and millennials who have just like let feel like they have less time in their day, we're, we're moving towards a trend across a lot of categories. We're like ready to is kind of the way to go. I'd love to switch subjects and talk a little bit about the partnership with ABI. I was obviously at ABI, I think, when that happened. You guys have hired Sanjib and he's been an awesome partner for you guys. Could you talk a little bit about this, the general decision to, to partner with a big strategic? Like I think beverage brands, it's often just such a challenge to build up distribution um, right. at the right pace. And without kind of that big partner, it can be pretty hard. You have to work through so many like individual distributors to reach all of the accounts that you're looking to reach. Like, yeah. how did you guys land on ABI? And what are kind of, I guess, maybe like the benefits of, of doing that kind of partnership for your business? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, not to get too nuanced, we could probably get as detailed as we want. But I think from a high level, you nailed it. As a beverage brand grows, distribution becomes the biggest challenge, right? If you get an authorization to be sold in 4,500 Walmarts nationwide, you have to have a way to get product there every single day forever. 
So once you get that authorization, that's where the really hard work starts. And we saw that. So the first couple of years, it was just to your point, piece mailing a small distributor, an independent distributor in any new market that we went into. And that was kind of manageable for the first two years. You know, we probably had about 50 individual distributors servicing, you know, a few million bucks in, in sales. But now over time, if you're going to scale to become, you know, 100 million plus revenue company, you really need a, a network that can service every store in the country. And the more you can streamline that with one network, the better, right? Because it's just leverage there versus having to work with, you know, a thousand separate little guys. So we knew we needed a strategic partner to to really achieve the scale that we wanted to in the way that we wanted to and make it as as streamlined and optimized as possible. Pepsi's current system includes Starbucks, so they were off limits. Coke includes Dunkin' and Monster, so we can utilize Coke. KDP, Keurig, Dr. Pepper had a lot of coffees in the portfolio at the time. They don't have as many now. And then ABI, who was just losing bang energy to, to Pepsi, actually, did not have a coffee. They expressed, obviously, it's public knowledge how much they care about, want to grow in non-alk. So we got the deal done pretty quickly and it was a mutually beneficial deal, great deal for both parties. And that was about 18 months ago and it's been an amazing partnership since. And we continue to invest and grow and build that relationship. And it'll be a relationship that really defines our growth for the next five to 10 years, right? And beyond that. So it's been phenomenal. It's much needed again at the scale that we're at to have that sort of strategic partnership and the people in place. So you mentioned Sanjeev was the global head of, of non-alc for ABI for, he was there for 29 years. And recently he was who we were, were working with. And when he told us that he was considering moving on from AB after all those years, we said, well, you have to come work at the Super Coffee team because not only do you know 10 times more about us, about distribution and ABI system, you're also a perfect culture fit and you add diverse culture experience as well. So we really want to learn from you and bring somebody on who, who knows how to operate that system. So Sands is our, our chief commercial officer. And he's really helped come in and put some best practices and policies in place to ensure that we're tracking our, our progress and working better with ABI together. Yeah. And I think especially when you try to go international, like I think there are brands that can do it with like distributor by distributor if they grind it out kind of domestically, even though it's a much harder path and largely more capital intensive in many ways. But I think when you guys go international, that is when having the kind of partner that ABI is becomes super big. Because that route to market, especially if you're like, you know, your US-based business becomes super kind of challenging and difficult to figure out. Last question before we head into our, our favorite part of the podcast called Rapid Fire. And you can totally just say, Daniel, I'm not talking about this. That's totally cool. But obviously, like you guys, you know, you have a huge mission. There's a lot of potential here for long-term growth. I think that this mission is broader potentially than coffee. Like I think just like better energy can go across a lot of different kind of borders within the consumer industry. Sure. How do you guys think through IPO exit? I'm not saying like, you know, like what are you guys going to do specifically, but is that something that's on your guys' mind? I think you guys are a great candidate to be a public company, but I also think obviously this could be an extremely attractive acquisition for many strategics for a broad series of reasons. Like, how do you guys, ha are you guys having these conversations? Are you thinking about it? Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. You should always be thinking about long-term exit strategy, partnerships, et cetera. For us, we think about it as we want, obviously, to do what's best for the brand and our investors and all of our shareholders uh, and employees, obviously, too, right? So, you know, it's good to have options. We have, we, we like to think we have several years of runway. We're charging, you know, close to profitability. And we ultimately want to have that option too, to just be a standalone 
profitable private enterprise that that continues to grow and reinvest profits into the business and into their people. So that's option number one, I think, right? And then ultimately, when it comes back to doing what's best for the brand, if we want to scale internationally, expand our footprint, et cetera, we might need more capital through right a public offering or partnering with a strategic who has the international footprint and can strategically and methodically execute on that for, for many years to come. So I think the, the critical thing that we have right now is runway and optionality, but we're always going to do what's best for our people, best for our shareholders, and, and ultimately best for the brand as well. And if we can find the, the right outcome that kind of caters to those three things, then, you know, as founders, we think we've done our job and would be happy to, you know, call it an exit or, or an outcome. But really, we're going to be, you know, brand advocates and, and always be supporting the brand forever. So, you know, it's something that we do talk about. We don't think about it too much because we do want to focus on running the, the best business and trust that the right outcome will take place when when the time's right. I love that. Such positivity. I mean, you are building a positive business. So there you go. We are going to move into our favorite part of the podcast, which is our rapid fire no pressure. We'll throw no some problem. questions at you. Just whatever comes to mind. Biggest regret or mistake? I would say probably in the in the early days, we probably were eager to sign a lot of contracts and deals that maybe weren't the best for the business that we had to clean up and are maybe still cleaning up. So early on, you know, obviously you're doing whatever you can to stay in business and grow, 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 but taking the time to just step back and and make sure what you're signing is a good long-term deal. Favorite athlete? All time or current? Either or both. Kobe Bean Bryant. Me too. <laughs> yes. I went to the same high school as him. Oh, it's amazing. Right up to school from right up the road from Philly U. Yeah. Favorite place in Philly? The Rocky Steps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the museum. <laughs> Favorite super coffee flavor? Blueberry muffin. Got to try that. Cool, man. Last question we ask all of our uh, podcast guests is what it means to them to subscribe to wellness. So what are a few habits you're focused on a weekly basis to ensure that you're still living your healthiest life while obviously managing a demanding business like super coffee? Yeah, we think balance is really critical in managing, you know, the relationship of working, you know, and obviously having a, a personal life as well. And because they are kind of together, right? So I think that uh, a couple of habits, obviously waking up pretty early, getting the workout in, getting some form of meditation in, having like two, two plus hours to myself in the morning is critical before I jump into my work and then reading too, a great way to decompress. And then a couple of, I'm always trying to challenge myself with a couple of new things and golf and piano are my two goals, personal goals this year. So extremely challenging, hard, but they take my mind off the business and hopefully I can overcome the, <laughs> the obstacle. Yeah, dude, it's so frustrating. I was like, I was out on the golf course yesterday and I actually was probably one of my best rounds ever, but it's so hard coming from like being like pretty naturally good at like sports as just like a former athlete. And then you step on the golf course and it's like a whole different story. It's just the yeah. hardest thing in the world. It's like and, nothing, uh, nothing translates. Yeah, exactly. And then you like, the more you practice, you try to then actually go do it. You've been practicing on the course and it just doesn't work. And then like, I had taken like two months off and I went and played yesterday and I felt like the best I've felt. So it's almost like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyways, man, where can our listeners learn more about super coffee? Yeah, I think drink, drinksupercoffee.com. Follow us uh, on all social platforms at Drink Super Coffee. You can follow the brothers too. We're all, you know, all Super Coffee posts all the time. So Drink Super Coffee is the handle on all platforms right now. Awesome. Appreciate the time today. It's great speaking with you and, and best of luck and keep crushing. 
Cool. Thanks, Thanks Jordan. Yeah, thank you so much, Rachel. Appreciate you guys. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.